JB. Hey, how's it How you been? Pretty good. I think we've got Alex back with us now, finally. Oh, motherfucking smash. And Mr. JB Brooks Brooks. Alex, we're, we're glad to have you back. Uh, yeah, yeah. I hope, Alex, I hope you had a, a good time the other night, uh, you know, it's, when you were doing whatever it is that you were doing. It's tough, yeah, what, it's tough being a social <laughs> butterfly out here, you know. Yeah, whatever you were doing was definitely more important than talking about Kentucky and Vanderbilt, so you, well, know, you do your thing. Well, you know, I was actually at the bars, and I was I was out recruiting for, for our, our brand. It was for the brand. I was out telling people to go watch SEC or listen to SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And um, I think we got some more followers. You'll notice our follower count jumped over the weekend, and I think that was because I was out there um, recruiting, doing a lot of marketing. All right. Well, yeah. I don't know. Uh, you're you're uh, fucking well. I don't. Yeah. I don't know uh, how how true that is, but we'll uh, we'll just roll with it. It's fine. How? Yeah, we'll, um, we'll feed how, your ego. How was doing the play by play and the color commentator? It was a little difficult, honestly. Um, I'm stressful, I'm not used to uh, talking that much. You know what I mean. I'm just I'm a little more uh, you know shy by nature and just a little quieter than most people. So it was it was kind of tough. But uh, there's that um, we we kept working our the, way through and we we got through. <laughs> there's the um, there's like a tweet or a quote from the office from Michael Scott when he said like you know sometimes as a boss I just I'll talk and I don't know where it's going but I hope by the end of it I finish the sentence and it makes sense to everybody else. Yeah, and. That, that's kind of how I, I think sometimes is the um, the, the uh, play by play guys you like to call it, but you know we we got this. I think we're gonna we're gonna do good today. Yeah, I agree. Um, so anything anything exciting happened over the weekend besides recording two podcasts in one night? Football related, food related? Um, not really. Um, I had Chipotle today. Chipotle. Yeah. Very uh, very. Uh, <laughs> generic of you but yeah very uh, hipsterish i don't it's been tough lately you know what i mean because i'm always on the road and i never have a, my car with me so i kind of have to you know take whatever is within walking distance you know what i mean jb don't you disappoint me i know you've eaten good over the weekend well uh last night i worked the triple a affiliate for the st louis cardinals i did some uh, pitching analytics for uh, the cardinals bullshit jb you pressed a couple of buttons don't lie to me Oh, you call it pressing buttons, but I mean, I gotta be there to watch that radar because that radar can get out of whack, and you gotta be prepared to uh, input the right data. Debbie, you... whenever let's let's call cut this back for a second because if you say analytics, I think of statistics and math, and we both know that I did your homework and for statistics and math. So you need to cut. No, it this back isn't a the same thing. This is not the same thing. We're talking about pitching analytics. This is Moneyball. This is not school statistics. Okay. But anyways, uh, I did that, and they had a nice spread at the game t- or in the press box for us too. Uh, we had uh, burgers and chili dogs, a uh, fruit tray, a uh, dessert tray, ice cream sandwiches. It was, but of course, I have to like watch myself because you know once we get into football season, that's what me and Holt determined as grub season, and that's when we're going to eat a lot of food. So during the summer, yep. I'm trying to like contain myself and not eat as much because the summer is when I'm going to eat the least amount of food, and then fall is when I eat the most food. Fall and winter. Y'all, um, y'all said said that the other day. Y'all said grub season. I thought you meant. I thought you said rub season, as in like rib rub. And I was like, I can get behind that, even though it sounds kind of weird. But I think I could get behind rub season. So, oh, I, look, think I can, understand it a little bit. I think but, you may have just uh, found something. I, I think it's always rub season, though. I think that's why that doesn't work. 
RUB, rub season. It's always rub season. Yeah, it's always, it's always rub, rub season. season. But football Let season me... is definitely grub season. That's when we eat more food. <laughs> Jamie, you're, you're talking about the AAA affiliate. You can just say the uh, Memphis Redbirds to give people paint a better picture for people. So you're talking about the Memphis Redbirds. The the food at the Memphis Redbirds, at one point, the St. Louis Cardinals came in and tried to change out all the food vendors. And I think they had St. Louis barbecue. And now they've since returned to Memphis barbecue at the game. Is that correct? They did. They did. They've. Um... I uh, signed another contract uh, with Rendezvous, and now Rendezvous is the official provider for a barbecue for all barbecue concessions at AutoZone Park. So that's that's definitely a big addition for them. But of course, that has that's nothing a- to do with that has nothing to do with uh, with Georgia football. And I'm really excited about talking about Georgia. This team is going to be a really awesome team, and uh, you probably have some more for us, Alex. Hell yeah, but I want to talk about food for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up, JB. Let me talk about some food. We'll Damn, some a little backseat driving here. JB's trying to be the bus driver now. Yeah, I guess I guess I didn't get the memo, but I've been kicked out of here. Let me let me do this for a second, JB. Hold on, JB. You got to ask me, did I eat anything good over the weekend? JB? Did you have anything good? Hell Alex? yeah. So I went to, if you notice, if you follow us on Twitter you'll and Instagram, by the way, which is hard. Because you post the same thing. I, we had to post the same thing on Twitter and Instagram at the same time. So people, our Instagram followers, those basic white girls get the tweets too. Um, but I posted on Twitter and Instagram about Jack's Old South Barbecue in Browselton, Georgia, which is really close to Athens, by the way. Um, it's about an hour outside of Atlanta, which is about an hour outside where Athens is. And it's called Jack's Old South Barbecue. It's a guy named Myron that owns it. It's a pit master. And the only reason why I found this is because at one point I was trying to be a barbecue entrepreneur, which I still might be kind of a barbecue entrepreneur. We'll see how life takes me, where life takes me. But I saw this guy, Jack at Jack or Myron at Jack's Old South, has won Memphis and May Barbecue Fest like a million times. And he opened his own restaurant in Brazilton called Jack's Old South Barbecue. So I went to Charlotte this weekend and off of 85 from Atlanta to Charlotte is Brazilton, where it's Jack's Old South Barbecue. So I went to Jack's Old South Barbecue this weekend because that was on the way, and I tried some barbecue nachos and barbecue pork sandwich, pulled pork sandwich, and a little bit of smoked chicken. It wasn't pulled, but it was kind of like sliced, but it was still pretty good. All in all, it was pretty good. Um, I think I didn't get to meet Myron. I don't think he was back there um, cooking himself, but I think it was it was pretty good. I'm still kind of confused why. It's called Jack's Old South when the dude's name is Myron, but I guess he wants a little bit of separation between the name and himself. But it was pretty good in general, and I, I enjoyed it. Um, and if you go from Atlanta, which there's a lot of Georgia fans relating this back, there's a lot of Georgia fans. If you go from Atlanta to Athens, you can stop at Jack's Old South, and it's pretty good. Does that, does that suffice <laughs> you all? Uh, well, I actually looked, I looked at your photo that you posted on our account. And those nachos didn't look bad, but my God, uh, is there not enough cheese? Well, it's funny. If you read the reviews, um, people people actually kind of ripped Jack's Old South up a little bit. And they said the, the barbecue nachos, the pork's good, but they could do better than using some, some cheese sauce from a high school football game. <laughs> but I, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah I mean, I'm not I, a fan I of cheese sauce. Me. I like the melted cheese like, a lot like more than, uh, than like cheese sauce. See, I like cheese sauce, but uh, it's got to be a good cheese sauce. It's got to be a good brand. It can't just be that watery, you know, piss water shit. <laughs> that piss water shit. And overall, yeah. it was still good. It was still pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, but I mean, 
there's not as good barbecue to me in Atlanta as there is in Memphis. So I still think it's pretty good barbecue, and I can kind of I'll take what I in Atlanta. Relating this back to Georgia football, as you like to do, JB. Um, Georgia football is apparently about to take off. If you haven't been watching the recruiting rankings, they have the number one class last year, and they just surpassed Alabama as the number one class 2019. And, of course, 2019 recruiting class isn't over, so a lot of other things could happen. But it's just still crazy that Georgia's number one two years in a row. And to me, it's kind of scary how close Kirby Smart sounds and acts like Nick Saban, coaches like Nick Saban. So that's it's kind of exciting, but kind of scary for the rest of the SEC of how much to me smart is like Nick Saban 2.0. That's a whole. Do you think? Am, am I the only one that thinks like Kirby Smart is Nick Saban 2.0? Is there a little, really about to be Georgia taking off in the East and the SEC right now? Yeah, I mean it really appears that way. Um, you know, it's tough to compare anyone to Nick Saban just because I mean he's arguably the greatest coach of all time. Um, but Kirby worked for Nick Saban for, you know, maybe like 10, uh, 10 years, maybe longer. Uh, I think he was with him at the Dolphins before he came back to Alabama. So he's been with them even longer than Saban's been at Alabama. So he's really had a lot of time to kind of watch everything he does and learn from the best. And, uh, you know, obviously in his second year to make it to the national championship game to recruit at the level he's been recruiting at, you know, it definitely looks like he's got a – He's got Georgia rolling and is primed to be uh, the juggernaut in the East for the foreseeable future. I'll ask, I'll ask JB. Um, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, you know, Kirby Smart looks like you know the right coach for Georgia now. It looks like he's going to you know take Georgia off to the next level where they're going to be competing for national championships and SEC championships almost every year now. Uh, but going back a few years, when Mark Richt was let go or mutually parted ways with, with Georgia, however you want to call it, I mean, he was going 10-2, 9-3 every year. So he, they were having good years. But put yourself back into the shoes of the Georgia AD at the time. Do you think it was the right move at the time to let Mark Richt go, even though he was winning games in Georgia and taking over? Or would you do you think it was the right move to let Marker go and hire Kirby Smart at the time? Now, high since twenty twenty, but do you? Th- I would not have personally made that move to uh, fire Rick and hire Smart. Of course, hindsight twenty twenty, it's and it was a it's a ballsy move and it worked. But at the time, like I would have probably gone for someone more proven. I mean, it's not like I don't dislike Kirby Smart whatsoever. I would have just gone for someone that's already been a head coach. That's just my my opinion. Well, hold on, hold on. Let me let me cut you off. My my question is: Would you even fire Mark Rick in the first place? Because he was winning games. You can you can hire somebody more proven, but I mean, yes, he was winning uh, games. Yes, I would have fired him because you look at the previous years. Besides twenty twelve, those last three seasons he was there, his teams have underachieved. Twenty thirteen, they started off the year I think number six in the country. Had Aaron Murray as a senior, they were a favorite to uh, repeat like twenty twelve, be back in the uh, SEC title race, and have a chance to. Uh, go to the national championship. 2014, uh, they started off, uh, I think, uh, what was it, like 4 or 5-0. and 0. They had a top 15 team. That was when Jerry Pruitt came in. Uh, they, they beat uh, Clemson in the opener. Looked really good. Uh, they were playing on fire. And then, of course, 2015, uh, they were top 10 in the country, uh, hosting Alabama at home. Everything looked like it was going Georgia's way. But then once that game happened, that pretty much just broke that Georgia team. And 
And they were just pretty much mediocre the rest of the year. I remember they finished 9-3. and three. They ended up losing to uh, Tennessee that season uh, later in Knoxville. And the team wasn't really the same after that. And, and by then, that's three letdown seasons from after that 2012 year. And, and once that happened, like, that's, that's just not good enough at Georgia. So it that, was the right move to fire him. That's uh, kind of surprising coming from you, the Tennessee fan, because I probably would have – preferred not to fire him just because you never like you're saying it's a very risky move to make and you can see what see how it plays out sometimes like for instance in Tennessee's case when they fired Phil Palmer for being good but not great in like the later years of his of his tenure and they have like what you would what I would call like a lost decade of just irrelevance um I, I just think it's too risky I think I mean yeah he's not he's not winning games he should with the talent but um, I just think I think it's too risky to try to bring in somebody that's not going to be not going to even win eight or nine games a year. Well, the, maybe, the, maybe. there's a there's a big difference here. Uh, Georgia fired Mark Ricks after he was having uh, a nine win season. They went nine and three that year. Tennessee fired Fulmer in the midst of a losing season, and that was the second losing season in about five years. So I mean, obviously Georgia had high standards, and they should have high standards. They should. And they weren't winning consistently enough with Mark Rick. And they, well, they were winning consistently, but they weren't at a level where they were competing for national championships almost every year. And that's the expectation at Georgia. Uh, before we go a little bit further, it sounds like one of y'all has like a TV or something in the background. Uh, can you make sure you cut off that noise so we can talk about football in peace? <laughs> um, so uh, let's get back to the whole real quick. So, what I'm most excited about Holt this year is, or most excited about Georgia football this year, is um, probably their offense. Um, I like their I like their running game the best, even though they did lose Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb. I like Jake Fromm obviously a lot, but I think they just they're they're about to get into a rotation of just having great running back after great running back. They have um, DeAndre Swift this year um, coming back for a sophomore. He didn't get as many touches last year because of um, Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb, I think it's a pretty good running back. They just unfortunately had uh, their number one running back from class of 2018 go down. I think he was like number 10 overall. What was his name? Is it Zamir White? Is his name? Is that his name? Do I have it right? Or Mark Zier? What was his name, JB? That's right. It was correct. Yeah. <laughs> let me, <laughs> yeah. Let me, yeah. I, let me. I, think, I think you're correct. I think you no, are no, correct. It is. It is. I, I have it. I have it. Yeah. I, was, I was just curious. Yeah. You weren't slipping. But, it's Zamir White, but let me let me ask Holt. Let me ask Holt now, JB. You can wait your turn, damn it. Um, Holt, what are you most excited about? Are you most excited about the running backs or the defense? Like, because this is Kirby Smart now, and Kirby Smart's defensive coach. What are you most excited about this year? Um, well, you know, this guy's a constant bad news, but Zamir White towards ACL the other day. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. He's out. Oh, you did say that? I thought you – okay, because you were talking about the running backs, and, I like, you were, like, super excited about him, and I was like, well, you know this dude just got hurt, right? But uh, yeah, and I think I think they're just gonna have a good running back in general. I think DeAndre Swift's a pretty good running back, and I think I think Zamir White would've been a great running back too. But I think um, I think they're just gonna have a good rotation of running backs in general. I think that's like kind of their um, their brand of football now, kind of like Alabama, but also have good quarterbacks. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean DeAndre Swift is a guy that I like a lot. Um, he had a really good year last year. I remember the the big run in the Auburn game and the SEC championship game. Um, Elijah Holyfield is just like a monster. Uh, every time they show like a picture of him at practice, it's just like, I mean, he just looks like a, I don't even know. He just looks like a monster. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see how Georgia looks this year running the ball. Um, I'm not like the biggest Jake Fromm fan. Um, I know JB is a huge fan, and he's also a big fan of Jim Cheney, the offensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> but you know, I you know, I I don't like Georgia quite as much as everybody else does this year. So I'm going to pick him to go like ten and two this year. But um, you know, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year, and I don't think they're going to be as good as they will be next year. Um, obviously, they lost a lot of guys on defense last year, and uh, we'll get into that later. But um, you know, just overall, I think they'll take a tiny step back this year, but still, I don't really see anyone on their schedule. I think is going to challenge them too much. Um, yeah, this year. I'll add on to this Holt, and this is a message for everybody in the SEC: you better beat Georgia this year because this is going to be the worst team they're going to have for a very long time, and it's still going to be a ten or eleven win team. Yeah, so um, JB, let's let's comment on this real quick. So they they did lose a lot of guys from last year's SEC championship team. Um, can you can you tell me um, how much their turnover is really going to hurt them? Specifically, they lost like Raquan Smith, which is Defensive Player of the Year. Um, what was their defense just going to be good for the future now? Just because um, it's Kirby Smart and they recruit really well. Yeah, yeah, their defense is still going to be really solid this year. Uh, Deion- solid uh, cornerback. Uh, DeAndre Walker is going to be the leader of their linebackers. And I, I really like uh, Jonathan Ledbetter and Tyler Clark up front. There's still some pieces on this defense. I mean, obviously losing guys like uh, Roquan Smith and Davin Bellamy, I mean, that's definitely going to hurt them, uh, you know, just being those those leaders for the defense. But their defense is not going to be terrible. It's going to – well, I don't even know why you even said terrible. It's definitely not going to be terrible. Uh, it's not going to take much of a step back, in my opinion. It's – Definitely going to be some uh, bumps early on in the season as they figure out uh, the new roles for these new guys, especially for for um, Monty Rice, who's going to be coming in and uh, pretty much replacing Roquan Smith. And that's that's really going to be the key for Georgia's season is how Monty Rice fills in for Roquan. Let's um, let's add add to what you were talking about um, and talk about defense for a second. Uh, some more. Um, the defensive coordinator is Mel Tucker, and he was in the running to get the Tennessee job and a lot of jobs last year, and I think he might be on the way out in Georgia, especially as they continue to be really good team defensively. Um, what can you tell about Mel Tucker and his defense? Do you think he's ready to be a head coach in the SEC or elsewhere? I mean, he was he was a coach at the um, – not a head coach, but a coach for the Bears and the Jaguars and the NFL – and um, I think he's coached a little bit in college too, not not big teams, but I think his most recent stops were in the NFL before before going to Georgia. I guess let me take that back. He was an associate head coach, defensive back coach at Alabama before he came to Georgia. But do you think he's ready for um, to be a major Division One head coach, um, given that he's been a Georgia defensive coordinator a few years now? Absolutely. First chance. I mean, he's pretty much like you were saying. He's he's a journeyman. He's been every been a lot. Of- He's been a few places in college. Uh, the defense he put on the field last year was – and he's also a really good recruiter too. Uh, players really enjoy playing for him. He gets them ready for every game. He's a good motivator. And I do think he's going to get a chance. I don't know if it's a Division One program. I mean, he did interview for the Tennessee head coaching job last year. Uh, I definitely could see him uh, getting a job uh, maybe after this season. I think he's going to be a candidate because I think when we see his Georgia defense, the body of work as the season progresses – the defense is going to get better as the new pieces are filled in, and he will be a commodity at the end of the season. I really do like Mel Tucker. 
does that does that turnover potential turnover worry you um, for Georgia's sake if he ends up leaving? Kirby Smart will be able to replace him with coordinator. Like, how do you think that will play out? Do you think Kirby Smart will just take over? Because, I mean, he is the defensive guru. Not necessarily. I think uh, Kirby Smart obviously will hire someone that shares a similar philosophy to him. I mean, it's going to be someone that runs a 3-4. It's, all, it's really going to be most important for Kirby to find someone that he can gel with and that he knows that he can work with and put his trust into for the defense. Because, obviously, Kirby Smart, he can't just run the defense completely now. He's, he's a CEO of, a, of the program. He's a head, head coach. He can't really be as hands-on as much. I mean, we've seen coaches in the past do that, and sometimes they're successful and sometimes it's not. But overall, he just gonna, he's just going to want someone that he can put all of his trust into that will have a similar or pretty much the same philosophy as him. Yeah, um, so you're saying that even if Mel Tucker left for a head coaching job, you're not too worried about Georgia overall as defense? No, abso- absolutely not. To- Absolutely, have some not. kind of concession plan. Yeah, unfortunately for you as a Tennessee fan, they're not they're not gonna they're not gonna be too much worse even without Mel Tucker. Is what you're saying? Oh, I'm just saying like I, they're gonna still have a good defense with or without Mel Tucker. And I mean, a lot of it is recruiting too. I mean, they're they're obviously have good defensive coordinators um, that could, they could bring in, but they they have really good players that bring in. So it's I mean, they're already at an advantage um, with that. Um, Holtz, let me ask you real quick. Um, do you first of all let's see let's test your Georgia knowledge real quick. Do you know who Rodrigo Blankenship is? He's the kicker with the glasses. He is. And that's exactly how I remember him too, because he has those unique glasses that he, he stands out. Um, did you know that he was first team preseason all SEC? Um, it doesn't surprise me. I did not I mean I didn't even know that he was back this year, honestly. Um it, but if I had to say, like, I mean, the fact that he is preseason, that he's back, does not surprise me at all because I know he's one of the best kickers in the conference. And I really hit some yeah. big field goals. I think, yeah. was it the Kentucky game a couple years ago where he made, like, five or six field goals or something crazy? It was. And ironically, he was a walk-on before he got awarded a scholarship. And I remember there was a time where his father was saying he doesn't know if he was going to continue playing for Georgia because they couldn't keep paying – for the tuition for him to stay at Georgia because he didn't have a full ride. Yeah, it's tough for kickers. It is. A lot, of, a lot of them don't get put on scholarship, and the ones that do, a lot of times they still bring on like two or three other walk-ons that you're going to have to fight for. And if one of them beats you out, then they're, you know, you're probably going to have to go somewhere else because no one's going to want a kicker on scholarship that's not playing. I don't know. Like, I, I would put some kickers on scholarship, like that Auburn kicker Daniel Carlson. You put guys like that on on scholarship, or J.K. Scott at Alabama. You're going to put those. Well, no, I mean, I'm just stuff. saying, like, I mean, obviously, yeah. Like, if, if you got guys like a No Dower, then, I mean, yeah, you got to put, you got to offer them a scholarship. But, I mean, I'm just saying, like, there aren't a lot of high school kickers that are, like, worthy of a scholarship, like, a lot of the time because it's just such a hard predict, uh, position to predict. Like, because in high school, they kick off of a tee. And so you get a lot of, like, maybe just wrong, uh, inter- like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but, like, basically guys look a lot better in high school than they really are, so it's just a really tough position to judge. The raw you know power. I mean? like, otherwise, raw like, like, there's a reason that Alabama, like, can never find a good kicker because they're not exactly easy to come by. You know, it's not like you can just go out and find, like, a five-star kicker. Like, they don't exist. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, Rodriguez Blankenship is a very good kicker, as we mentioned. He's a Lou, Lou Grazo award. Watch list preseason, watch list. Um, I think – 
people <laughs> and I, like I, I maybe a little bit too just because um, recently like I, I like Matt, Pat McAfee a lot and he always breaks down the kickers and punters for NFL games and it's so fun to watch because he's so into it he always yells that for the brand for the brand and um, I, for college especially like NFL kickers are to me they're they're pretty much automatic for within a certain yard range like 40 and less I think they're pretty much more or less automatic but college they are so unpredictable and I think it's I think it's actually such a, a weapon to have a reliable kicker in college that you can trust. As you should know, Holt, if you say, I don't know if they have a good kicker now, but I know they did at one point have like a lot of yeah. trouble with the kickers. Yeah, I think most teams have trouble with college kickers. I think it seems worse um, when it's your team, when it's a team that you're watching a lot. I think that's why, like, uh, you know, obviously, like me with being a Mississippi State fan and then, like, you know, people watching Alabama because they play in so many big games, but, like, uh, when you have a bad kicker, like, it's just one of those things that uh, you just can't, like, get away from. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have to kick a big field goal at some point, and everybody's going to know, like, if, if you missed a big field goal before, like, that's all anyone's going to be talking about. So it's just – it's one of those things that can really, like, snowball on you and, like, you know, programs go, like, a decade or more without having a solid kicker. You know what I mean? So anytime you have one, it's definitely a huge advantage. Let's talk about a little potential. I don't think it will happen, but there could be potential QB controversy at Georgia. You remember last year, um, Jacob Eason was the hands-down starter. Nobody had question about it. Jacob Eason was going to be number one draft pick when his time came up as a junior in the NFL. And he, there's just going to be no no questions asked about it. He's going to be the quarterback of Georgia. And he goes down in the App State game. And Jake Fromm takes over. He does a pretty good job. And they never they never lose with Jake Fromm. And, Jake Fromm ends up taking taking over as a starter. I remember Kirby Smart was kind of avoiding the question as Jacob Eason was getting um, healthy and ready to go. They kept asking him, you know, when is, is Jacob Eason going to start when he gets healthy? And Kirby Smart kept trying to avoid the question. It's very similar, actually, to whenever um, Dak Prescott took over for the Cowboys with Tony Romo injured and Dak Prescott kept winning. And just, well, you know, it surprises me how, how many – um, how Georgia can recruit these five-star quarterbacks year after year um, when playing time is such an issue and transfers are at an all-time high with quarterbacks especially. Um, so uh, they recruited Justin Fields, which was, I think, the number two quarterback behind um, the Clemson quarterback. Was it Lawrence? Is that his name right, JB? Yeah, that's correct. You remember? Yeah. So he's the number two quarterback. Justin Fields is more of a dual threat if I – I remember correctly. I haven't seen him play as much, but I think it's more of a dual threat quarterback than than Jake Fromm. But um, Jake Fromm has been injured injured this summer. I think he, he broke his hand uh, on a on the lake. Some I forgot what exactly doing. But it was a it was an incident. Yeah, it was an incident on a lake. Yeah. Um, so he got he got injured. I think he should be ready to go by the time season starts. But yeah, um, he'll be yeah, ready. Since you're, since you're talking about JB, I'll, I'll go and ask you. Um, do you think there's a potential situation where somehow Justin Fields can get in the game and take over the starting quarterback position from uh, Jake Fromm? Absolutely not. Jake Fromm is the guy. As long as he's healthy going into the season, he will be the man. Uh, I really am a big fan of Jake Fromm. Yeah, that whole was saying that. And I, I thought he was just joking, but he's serious, I guess. So wh- why do you like Jake Fromm so much? I th- to me, he's more. I mean, he's a good quarterback. He's a little bit above like an AJ McCarron. Me, he's like he's more of a game, more than a game manager, but not like a superstar quarterback. To me, like like our boy Drew Locke with ten inch penis. <laughs> <laughs> what, what impressed me the most about Jake Fromm was just 
he was a true freshman last year, and the poise that he had in the pocket, he never, ever was rattled in the big games, even in the game against Oklahoma when they were down by 17 points. Like, he just never looked rattled, and he brought his team back in that game. And he was – and just – it was that was, of course, at the end of the season. But when he came in for uh, Jacob Easton, like, he, he looked like uh, he was just already prepared. Like, it didn't even look – he didn't miss a beat at all. And he even elevated the offense. And what reminds me of Jake Fromm is uh, Aaron Murray. He's not a guy that has, like, the super strong gunslinger arm, but he's got a lot of poise in the pocket. He's a solid, true team leader. And that's the kind of guy you need to uh, lead you to a national championship. And Jake Fromm, before he's gone from Georgia, I think will win them a national championship because I actually see him as a four-year player. And I think we're both in agreement that we I, – I like Jake Fromm too – probably somewhere in between how much you like him and how much Holt likes him. Um, but I, I think we're in agreement where we both think that Jacob Easton would be the better NFL quarterback, but Jake Fromm is going to be the better college quarterback, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Jacob Easton's more of an NFL quarterback, like a Matthew Stafford type. And then uh, Jake Fromm's more of the solid college quarterback Aaron Murray type. Awesome. So um, – JB says that Justin Fields isn't going to be the starter uh, for this year. And I guess he wouldn't be the starter until Jake Fromm's gone, which would be his Justin Fields' senior year because Jake Fromm's going to start all four years now is what JB's saying. Um, so with the new um, redshirt rule this year where uh, players, you can play up, think up to four games and still redshirt the year. If you're Kirby Smart um, and Georgia's going to be probably winning some games by a lot, do you use this red shirt rule to your advantage and play Justin Fields in four games this year just so get him some experience and then still red shirt him? Um, I think in a perfect world, that's what you want. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to necessarily get away with that. Um, I think Justin Fields being such a highly top quarterback um, is going to expect to play, especially if he's doing well in practice, which, I mean, just like you were saying, everything we've heard is that he's been doing really well. So, um, I think it's going to be really tough to keep him off the field. Um, I think Jake Fromm will be the starter this year. Uh, make no mistake. I don't, and I don't, you know, I made it sound like I really don't like Jake Fromm. I, I mean, I really do. He was a true freshman last year, led us to the national championship game. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. You know what I mean? I mean, that's definitely really impressive. Um, you know, it's just, I, I don't really see him as a huge upside quarterback. You know what I mean? One of those guys who's going to be, you know, a, like a great, like all American Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback. Um, and I think Fields actually does have that potential, um, you know, just from everything we've, we've seen and heard. So uh, I think Fromm is probably going to start the year as a quarterback, but any, you know, like bad game or just any slight of, uh, you know, doubt there, I think is going to, um, they're going to have to give, Justin Fields a shot, and um, I don't think they're going to be able to play him in less than four games unless Jake Fromm just plays really well. I think he's probably going to play uh, a really good amount this year. They're probably going to have some, you know, maybe like some certain plays called for him um, where he will go in for Jake Fromm for, you know, a few plays or maybe even a series. So I think he's probably going to play a lot this year, so I don't think they're going to be able to get away with redshirting him. And uh, I think if they do try to redshirt him, that he may uh, get upset and leave, and I don't think that's something they're willing to risk because he's such a good talent. One thing I'll, I'll say, as, as the head coach uh, and head coach of a very good team with two very good quarterbacks, you kind of have to, with a highly passionate fan base also, 
you have to kind of play politics a little bit too because one one way this could backfire is if they do decide to do this play play uh, fields before a game this year but still redshirt them. I think that would would suck for them, or I mean, I guess suck for Kirby Smart and uh, the coaching staff here is if Fields does play really well in his four games, and like you're saying, Fromm struggles a little bit in, a, in one game, throws two interceptions or something like that. The fan base is going to be rocking to get Fields in, and there's you don't want that question mark around your team. You know, if everything's going well, and you know, some for some reason Fromm throws two interceptions one day, and everybody's uh, the whole fan base is. Rocking, you get all these reporters asking you questions about like, you know, is Fields going to play? Is Fields going to play? You don't want that um, instability when your team is on a winning streak or doing really well. So that's one thing I would think you'd have to watch out as a head coach. You don't want to insert Fields and him play too well, and then people start asking questions: why? Why isn't he the starting quarterback? Exactly. Yeah. Totally agree. And uh, that's you know, I mean, that's the thing you worry about. Like, I mean, when you have two really highly recruited quarterbacks on campus, like, you know, only one of them's going to play. I mean, you can sit there and play, you know, have certain plays calls for one of them or whatever, but at the end of the day, they both are going to want to be the guy. And uh, there's a lot of other schools that would be happy to take them and, you know, let them be the guy from day one. So, you know, that's always a problem with quarterbacks is, you know, it's great until one of them's not starting. You know, they're both okay with competition until one of them's not playing. And then uh, you know they're gonna get, one of them's gonna get tired and want to go somewhere else. Let's um, before we get into the schedule, let's let's talk my favorite part of the show, which is the miscellaneous items, and where I'll ask you questions, you have to answer them truthfully and honestly. <laughs> so let's let's start with Holt. Uh, we we recently tweeted out on on SEC Slow Smoke Twitter the video of Aaron McFadden and saying how he was one of the best running backs in SEC before Derrick Henry and Trent Richardson and Leonard Fournette. Within the comments, somebody said this, that somebody said, oh, yeah, that was the best the best back when they had uh, Felix Jones, Aaron McFadden, and Peyton Hillis, and then they had even Michael Smith backing them up. Georgia had, at one point, they had, I think, Keith Marshall, Todd Gurley, Sonny Michelle, and Nick Chubb. So, who would you rank as the best running back field, or I guess backfield, uh, between Arkansas and Georgia? Or is there another one in SEC that remember that's better than either one of those? Um, well, you kind of stumped me at the last part of that question, so I thought I had an answer, and now I feel like I have to search your um, mind. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I do like the Arkansas one just a little bit more, just because all those guys uh, played together for like multiple years, and it was like uh, they they all played like um, with you know Gurley and Marshall and Chubb, like you know Chubb played a little bit, Michelle a little bit, but not uh, you know it wasn't like a situation where they were all like sharing carries and making plays. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, definitely that's. Georgia is really good at producing running backs, obviously. So they've all they've always had uh, they've always been loaded at that position. Um, the first one that comes to mind when I'm thinking about all time is uh, obviously Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown. But uh, you know I haven't really thought about it that much to be honest. I'm sure Alabama had one you know for a minute. They had Trent Richardson and Mark Ingram for a couple years and. TJ Yeldon, probably, I think, or another good running back was in that group, too. Right, sure. yeah, yeah, they, so. had, they had guys like Eddie Lacy and TJ Yeldon following. 
And then they had another guy uh, at the beginning of Saban's senior, Glenn Coffey, who was a, a solid running back. Right. Yeah, Glenn Coffey and then Mark Ingram come in after him. I'm just trying to think of, like, situations where they all, like, were producing at the same time. Like overlapping. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, not even overlapping, just like, like, you know, like over the course of a season or two, like they were all, they were all two or three, like making plays, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so we'll switch instead to of, JV. Instead of it just being a situation where like, you know, you have a senior running back who's awesome and then you have like a freshman running back who like plays a little bit and then ends up being awesome like later in his career. I'm talking about like both being big time, like at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would I would have to say Arkansas is a little, in my opinion, a little bit better. But that's also just because I think they use Darren McFadden and Felix Jones together more than they use. I think I remember Keith Marshall and Todd Gurley, they used a lot together. And they um, that that was exciting. But I just don't think it's as, as exciting to me as Darren McFadden and Felix Jones. But, I mean, they were, they were both really good running back groups. Um, I was JB now. So, JB, who – this is the, the obvious question I always ask – who is your favorite player at Georgia in the last 20 years or since you've been alive? Uh, the best – well, best player I've seen come out of Georgia. Or your favorite player. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to say best player, not favorite player. Best okay. player. Right. Best player I've seen come out of Georgia, and we're talking just during his time at Georgia, is David Pollock. David Pollock uh, was one of the best playmakers I've ever seen on defense. He was always in the backfield. He was a great run stopper. He was also obviously a great pass rusher. Uh, he had that one big play against uh, South Carolina that won the game uh, back in, uh, I think it was the year 2001, or not, not 2001, but I think it was maybe uh, 2002 when he had that one big play. Uh, he also had some big games against Auburn, uh, against Tennessee. Uh, he was an outstanding player and uh, probably one of the best uh, players in Georgia's history. Least, yeah, he was, least least favorite analyst. The problem with his anim, as him as an analyst is that he <laughs> he keeps his bias out way too much. He doesn't hide his homerism, and you need a little bit more professionalism when you're at a ESPN. And I can say the same I'll, thing for a few analysts, but I'll, I'll not all about, of them are like that. I'll say this about David Pollock on ESPN. Um, I, I can definitely tell what you're saying about him him being on George's nuts all the time. Uh, but I think I think he would be a cool dude to hang out with. He sounds like a pretty cool dude. But yeah, I, yeah. I remember uh, watching AJ Pollock uh, with my dad when I was a kid, like when I was first starting to like get into football, and um, uh, just the way he played, like he always played with such like great effort and hustled, you know. And I just always remember my dad like pointing him out and being like, "That's how you're supposed to play. Like that's how like." I think that's how the best players are supposed to play, like, all the time. Like, no matter how good or bad you are, like, your effort level is the one thing you can control, like, you know what I mean? I don't uh, – He was a blue-collar hustle guy. I don't yeah. – I don't remember I – don't, I don't go back in my mind to 2001 or 2002, like, JB. That, that's kind of amazing that you can do that. I mean, I mean, you watched football from when you were way little, like, that, that long ago. And I, I did, too, but I don't remember – I remember – Probably everything from like 2007 up, which is I think Darren McFadden. Or I guess I remember D'Angelo was 2004 from Memphis, but I remember everything really from 2007 up really well. But after that, like it's it's kind of hard. I don't remember David Pollock enough. But I didn't watch SEC football enough. I was probably out um, playing home run derby with Holt. Shout out. <laughs> or you're probably uh, just watching Harold. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe. Um, so we'll switch over to Holt. Who is your favorite Georgia player? Um, well, I actually have two, and they were on the same team. Speaking of uh, 2007, um, I was going to say A.J. Green, number one, 
and uh, no Sean Marino, or maybe that was two thousand eight. I can't, I can't remember. It was one of those two years. The days where I remember. But uh, yeah, but uh, no Sean Marino was a really fun player to watch. Just uh, I just loved his emotion that he showed. Like he was like, really explosive, caught the ball in the backfield. You know, they ran a lot of screens and stuff like that, and he was just. You know, just a lot of fun to watch. Just really, you know, it's like I said, a really emotional player. And I, I really enjoy that about college football. It's just the emotion and the pride and all, all the things that, that, you know, make college football great. And then A.J. I Green has so. just been an unbelievable uh, talent. I mean, 6'4", can jump out of a gym, like just caught everything. Like, you know, I, he was just so much fun to watch. And I love, like, those big-time, like, number one receivers. Yeah, um, I, I'll say that Noshan Marino, in my mind, was the one who popularized the jump over the defensive back or linebacker trying to tackle you. Because there's that, that picture that everybody remembers of him jumping over. I don't know who it was, but he jumped over. Sports one Illustrated of, cover. Yeah, yeah defenders. Yeah. And it was like, like a guy was, from like Central Michigan or something. <laughs> That's funny. But he, um, yeah, he was a really fun player to watch. And that, that team should have won that championship, but they didn't. But no big deal. But my, I'll say my favorite player at Georgia – um, besides Marlon Brown, because he was from Memphis, shout out, um, was probably Jarvis Jones, um, just because uh, I just remember, I just remember seeing his hair all over the field, chasing after guys and just tap on everybody. So that's that's what um, I like about him. I don't know how well he's doing in the NFL. I don't think he's doing as great in the NFL, but I think he was he was a fun player to watch for me in college. All right. Uh, switching over before we get to the schedule, I ask oh, one more question. You got to keep it keep it short and sweet here. Um, you did get to go, and I went last year also to Athens for two different games. I went to the App State game, and you went to the Mississippi State game, which Georgia obviously beat Mississippi State pretty easily. Tell me what you enjoyed or what your thought was on Athens as a college town, as a stadium. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I thought uh, Athens was a lot of fun. There's a lot of, uh, like, bars and restaurants, like, right by the stadium. Um, and if – I mean, there's so many of them. that Like, if one of them's like, too crowded or, you know, you don't really like the vibe there or whatever, you can just walk, like, right next door and there's another one. And if you don't like that one, you can just walk right next door and there's another one. I mean, they're just, like, all over the place and there's a lot going on. Everybody's having fun, enjoying the game and are getting ready for the game at least. And – uh I didn't uh, get to try any, like, local food while I was there. Uh, unfortunately, we kind of – I was staying in Atlanta with another one of my friends, and uh, we drove up and drove back that day. So we didn't really have a lot of time to, you know, mess around and eat. We just kind of showed up a couple hours before the game, walked around a little bit, tailgated for, like, 30 minutes, and then went to the game. Um, and then left Did in, like, the third quarter because we were getting killed. Yeah. and. I yeah, just I didn't. There was like, yeah, there was like this one Georgia fan that's in like right behind me. Just like, I mean, I didn't say anything to the guy, but he just like felt like he like just had to like talk crap to me like the whole game. I don't know why. Like, I was just like, dude, like, I get it. Like, you're a Georgia fan. Like, you can leave me alone now. Like, it's not like <laughs> I was being obnoxious or anything. I was just minding my own business. Like, so I was just like, I need to get out of here before I get arrested. <laughs> probably, not, probably, probably. He probably buys I'm all not, his Georgia gear at Walmart. He's probably one of those T-shirt yeah. fans, right? I'm not. I'm not trying to be on an old row like fighting some dude. Like, it's just not <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. So um, I was like, Nick Fitzgerald like threw an interception. It was already like, you know, like twenty-eight to three. So I was like, I want to get out of here. <laughs> this is ugly. I, I think I forgot what the statistic is, but I think Athens has like the most bars per like 
square mile or two square miles or in certain like mile radius and yeah i've heard that too so it's it's crazy it's a good time yeah Um, it's a it's a great campus kind of like uh a lot of the buildings were built like you know a long time ago so it's that's what i got like an old it's an old timey feel to it it's kind of yeah i mean it's cool though like I, i like it a lot um you know i definitely think uh you know, going to school there is probably a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I would have to assume. The uh, the Battle of the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs Super Bowl, as, you, as I like to call it, last year. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get into the schedule. And, Dave, you should probably go to Athens sometime before you die in life. Oh, yeah, that's, that's on my bucket list. It's gonna, I'll be there in the next five years, guaranteed. Okay, that's, that's in the five-year plan, as JB likes to call it. <laughs> guaranteed. I mean, I, I have every single SEC venue on my bucket list, and I will knock all, knock out all of them in the next few years, guaranteed. All right, Jamie. We'll, we'll, we'll hold you to it. We'll hold you to it. Hopefully, we're supposed to be podcasting about Georgia and see if Kirby Smart can win his, like, fifth national championship in five years. We'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, so looking at the schedule, um, you know, obviously they have the East, and uh, which they are at the top top of the East, or at least the target in the East. Um, non-conference isn't too exciting. I think they overall kind of have an easier schedule in the SEC. They um, they play Austin P, which is a ranked FCS team, but it's still FCS team. They play Middle Tennessee, which isn't a bad team. Um, I mean, it's a group of five, but it's not a bad team at all. Um, they play UMass, which gave Tennessee trouble last year, JB, sorry. And then uh, Georgia Tech uh, with Robert and clean old-fashioned hate Robert is what they call it. Um, so we'll go ahead and get into it. Um, starting with Austin P to kick off the year, September 1st, number 22 ranked Austin P. And my, um, my manager at work said he's going to go to this game. I was like, why the hell would you go to this game? And he's like, well, it's going to be too crazy at Georgia this year. Let's just, I'm just going to go to this game. I'm like, all right, well, whatever, man, dude, do your thing. But I would not personally go to this game. But um, I think this is going to be an easy win. Um, unless Holder, JB, want to elaborate on this, I just think it's going to be a two, an easy win. Oh, it's no, yeah, this is going to be – yeah, this is going to be an easy, easy victory. I mean, Austin P is – I mean, they're not a bad school for FCS level, but for for an SEC powerhouse like Georgia, uh, they're going to run away with this one. This one will be over at the end of the first quarter. Okay, dang, JB. Dang, give some Austin P respect. Jeez, they're 22. They're number 22. Yeah. They, uh, did, didn't they have, like, a really long losing streak that they just ended last year? I think they did. They did. It, they had, like, a special on it on ESPN. So, that. They're improving. I'm I'm giving Austin P the benefit of the doubt that they are improving. <laughs> You're giving, giving them the benefit of the doubt, saying that it's going to be over in the first quarter, JB. Well, they're improving. They're improving by FCS standards. This is completely different subdivisions here. I can't wait till um, Georgia re- returns the home and home to uh, to Austin P and Clarksville, Tennessee. That'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Make it a neutral site. That's what that's what we should talk about. All right, let's let's we're talking about Austin P too much. All right, skipping on to the big robbery game. Um robbery as in South Carolina robbery. Um going to South Carolina to take on the trendy SEC East team for the year, um, at Williams Rice, which is a tough stadium to play in. And I think South Carolina is gonna be good this year. I think I think Georgia will win this one, but man, South Carolina's be fired up for this game. I'll let Holt talk about how fired up South Carolina is gonna be play for this game yeah you know this is a, a trendy pick just like you were saying uh to pick south carolina over georgia this year uh it's early georgia's going to be replacing a lot of pieces on the defensive side maybe jake bentley and debo samuel can uh hook up a few times in this game and uh we know will Muschamp is a defensive-minded guy so maybe uh he can come up with a game plan to slow down this georgia offense 
Um, I'm actually not as high on South Carolina this year. I'm actually kind of high on another team in the East that no one's talking about that we'll get to later on the schedule. But uh, just, uh, yeah, just a little tease there for you guys. Um, oh, man. <laughs> a little free comp? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> all right, Alex. Fucking grow up, dude. But no, I'm, I'm not gonna pick. I'm not gonna pick South Carolina to win this game. I don't think I'm. I'm not big on Will Shim as a coach, and I do like uh, Kirby Smart a lot. And also, I think it takes away a little bit from the, uh, you know, from the upset potential when everyone is picking it. You know what I mean? So I feel like I mean not everyone, but I feel like a lot of people are picking this game. And Georgia's gonna be really focused. It's gonna be a raucous environment. It's gonna be crazy. South Carolina is probably one of the most underrated home field advantages in the country, um, but. You know, that being said, I think it's going to be a tough win, but I think Georgia's going to go in there and get the win, maybe about seven, ten points. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of agree. Go ahead, JB. Yeah, I, I really am excited for this game. I think this is going to be one of the best early games of the season. Uh, South Carolina has a lot to play for in this one, too. This is uh, Muschamp's biggest game up in early part of his tenure. Uh, they're going to be 1-0 and going into this one. And I am going to go with South Carolina in this one. I think this game's going to be finished in the 20s. I think uh, both – I think South Carolina's defense is going to make enough stops against this Georgia offense. And I think South Carolina is going to be able to move the ball a little bit against this Georgia defense, especially with the Georgia defense having replaced all the starters they have. They're not – these got a lot of new guys, new pieces. They're not going to be playing up to their potential yet. And that's going to open the door for South Carolina to make a few plays and – uh put themselves ahead and I actually think South Carolina is going to win in a close win and I see South Carolina's defense making a play in the fourth quarter uh, possibly a fumble to uh, solidify this victory. Jabby it's almost like you're looking into a crystal ball like yeah a fumble in the fourth quarter is going to happen. <laughs> I don't know it, it just I'm, it just seems like it I'm, I'm not a seer or anything but it just it just feels right. You and must plus, have... I mean I, I Plus, it's it's an early game. South Carolina at home early in the season. It always just hosting Georgia. History has shown that South Carolina wins these games a lot, especially like when you look back in the Lou Holtz tenure. They won games early in the season against Georgia back when Lou Holtz started there. Um, Will Muschamp, he's a new coach of South Carolina. This will be Will Muschamp's first sitting signature victory. Lou Holtz, unless you want to, yeah, unless you want to count Will Muschamp beating Tennessee two years ago as a signature victory, but I won't count that one. This will be his true signature victory. Kevin, you got some, um, some I'll say some gorilla size go- conads to uh, pick South Carolina here. I can't, I can't do that, so I'm going to break the tie. I, 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 uh, I am definitely exercising my balls on this one. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, do you think, um, Oz Holt, do you think, do you think DJ Durkin's going to be an offensive analyst by this game for South Carolina? Offensive analyst? Isn't he a defensive yeah. coordinator? No, he's off. Well, no, he's a head coach. He's head coach for Maryland. The guy that's in trouble. Yeah, but he was the he was the head co- he was the defensive coordinator for uh, Will Muschamp at Florida. I think he's no. offensive coordinator. Dude, Alex, you man, you're you're killing me right now. <laughs> Are we talking about Georgia State still? Yeah. <laughs> All right, stop. Just making sure I'm testing your knowledge. Testing your knowledge. So, do you think he'll be a defensive analyst? <laughs> no, I definitely don't think that's going to happen. I think Will Muschamp has already caused enough uh, problems by trying to take DJ Durkins back um, in the media, which, you know, he really didn't have to do and kind of just, you know, I, it's just made it into a big deal 
uh, at South Carolina when it didn't have to be. He could have just kept his mouth shut and not said anything. But, uh, no, I don't think DJ Durkin's going to be at South Carolina. But uh, just like I was saying, um, I wouldn't be like super surprised if South Carolina won this game, but it would be a, a decent surprise for me because I just – I really like uh, Georgia, and I'm not – you know, just like I said, we'll must champ, like, come on. We um, we will give over to the – JB, calm your dog or your girlfriend there, JB. You're going to have to calm her down for a second. Just for a second. It'll, it'll be all right, man. Just tell her, JB, yes. you'll give her the quality time after. I know. She's uh, really, really excited about, about uh, Georgia football. So I'm trying to Pod, calm her down podcast here. First, podcast first, fun later, JB, always, okay? Um, that will be that will be the CBS game that week. They've already decided. Um, going to the next game, Middle Tennessee um, at Georgia. I think it's an easy win. Middle Tennessee did win seven games last year, but that was in the powerhouse conference USA, not the powerhouse SEC. So I think it's gonna be an easy win. Um, JB Holt, let's try to keep this short. If you do want to talk about this, yeah. Well, Middle Tennessee State plays three SEC teams this year. I just realized that they play Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Georgia this year. So. They're trying that's to get that money. I, yeah, and I, that's all I, I gotta say. It's, it's, it's good money. It's very good money. Yeah. Well, they're definitely not on the we're trying to make the college football playoffs uh, or New Year's Six uh, bowl scheduling. They're definitely more on the uh, get that paycheck scheduling. That. <laughs> Is that what the AD walks in? Hey, fuck this New Year's Six shit. Let's just go ahead and get the get on the money schedule page. Whatever you say. Get on the. That's probably the- yeah. I, I've never heard that guy speak uh, publicly, but I would have to assume that that's exactly what he said. All right, let's 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 skip in a whole. All right, you want one hour or two hours to talk about Georgia at Missouri? Um, I, I think probably like five minutes will be good. All right, all right, only only four and a half minutes for Drew Locke. Okay, not the entire five minutes. <laughs> All right, so yeah, uh, for those of you who listened to the podcast before, uh, we have not done the Missouri preview yet. Uh, it's one of two we have left to do, but um, I'm really high on Drew Locke this year, uh, more specifically uh, than the team that he's on. But uh, I, I do think he has a chance to lead Missouri to a really good season this year, and this game is at Missouri. I think not a lot of people are talking about this game, uh, but uh, Missouri has really found a way to score on Georgia the last couple of years. It's been two really close games, uh, at least for the first half. Um, last year was a really close game, um, and Missouri was pretty terrible the first half of the season last year. So I think Missouri is a lot more improved this year than they were last year. I don't think Georgia's quite as good as they were last year. And since it's at Missouri, um, I think these downfield passing offenses really give Georgia a hard time. Um, I think they're going to find a way to put up some points in this game. And I think Missouri's defense is going to be just enough improved to, uh, you know, maybe slow down this Georgia offense a little bit. They do have a lot of playmakers, but uh, I think Missouri is going to find a way to slow them down and uh, get the win. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, maybe like 35-31, something like that. But I like uh, Drew Locke and Missouri to come out with the win here. Of of course you do. Jebby, what um, – bring us back to reality. What, what is Holt actually smoking here? Can Missouri beat – Georgia at Missouri. I mean, it's Drew Lockett, I, the I, I like Colts pick. I like it a lot, and it's a very good pick. But it's not good enough. I am picking Georgia <laughs> this one. Uh, 
Fucking Lee Corso over here. What the fuck is this? <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I'm channeling my inner Lee Corso. But, yo, uh, why is Georgia going to win this game? One word. <laughs> Controlling the time of possession. Georgia's going to be able to... <laughs> He's got the giggles. He does have the giggles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. I mean, I don't know what Holt's laughing about, but cut that but shit out. It's, it's, it's definitely going to be they're going to have control. <laughs> Go ahead, JB. Go ahead. God damn it, JB. <laughs> you kill me, you bro. Me, you give me the giggles. Okay, but. The main reason is that Georgia's going to control the line of scrimmage, and I like them to uh, keep that high octane Missouri <laughs> offense off the field. <laughs> I, 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 so uh, let's do Georgia's one. So I'm going to turn both of y'all's uh, upset picks and say uh, Georgia's going to start off four zero, going to Tennessee or no, excuse me, playing Tennessee in Athens. JB, take that one away. I know that's your that's your home team there. So let's let's talk about that for a second. I think Georgia's going to win this one pretty easily. Yeah, Georgia's going to win this one comfortably. I don't think it's going to be as ugly as it was last year when they won 41 nothing. Uh, Tennessee will be able to get some points in this game, and I think Tennessee's defense will be a lot more prepared for this one as well. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, obviously, coached at Georgia at one point. Uh, of course, he didn't coach for uh, Kirby Smart. He coached for Mark Richt. But uh, he's, he's familiar with Sanford Stadium. He's familiar with the environment. And I think he will devise a really good game plan uh, against uh, Fromm and that Georgia offense. Uh, they'll they'll be able to make some stops early on in the game. I think it's actually going to be close for uh, most of the game, at least through uh, the first half and maybe part of the, and most of the second half. But I think Georgia is going to be able to uh, put this one away in the fourth quarter, uh, just because they're going to be able to uh, control the line of scrimmage. Uh, I don't like Tennessee's uh, defensive line as much as Georgia's offensive line, and I see Georgia just uh, putting it away in the fourth quarter, probably winning by about two touchdowns. In the fourth quarter, okay, okay, okay. I think I think it might be over by the third quarter. Um, Hold what you think. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, Alex. I think uh, this is going to be. Um, I don't want to say a blowout, but definitely a comfortable win for Georgia. Um, I don't think this game. You know, I mean, I, I could maybe see a scenario where Tennessee plays really well on defense and uh, get some stops, but uh, I I really think that if Georgia has their offense clicking. At this point in the season, they don't have any problems with the quarterback controversy or like anything like that, which I don't expect, but is always a possibility. Um, then if they have that all squared away, then I think they win this game pretty easily. Um, just like I said, the only way I think Tennessee has a shot in this game is if Georgia's offense is just uh, just really struggling. And uh, I don't see that happening, but uh, just like I said, I think that's the only way. All right, so that's 5-0. and Going to Vanderbilt, which or playing playing Vanderbilt again at, at Athens, um, which Wikipedia does have this as a rivalry. By the way, I would disagree, but they do have this as a rivalry. It's because of the East thing. But well, yeah, I remember, uh, George, remember uh, ten years ago, uh, Georgia beat Vanderbilt in Nashville and uh, jumped on the star. If you remember that at midfield, nearly caused a uh, brawl. Two thousand eighteen. No, it was about ten years ago. I think it was. Maybe you really got to be doing uh, some sketchy stuff to get Vanderbilt to try to fight you. Yeah, like that was. I remember uh, uh, they were jumping on the star after a victory. I can't remember exactly what season it is. I'm sure some Georgia fans can fill me in on fill us in on that. But I remember Mark Rick specifically running up to his players and like shoving them off the star and getting in their faces about it. 
because they because right. he, he was at pretty much telling them act like you've been there. But yeah, for this, uh, Georgia's going to win this one comfortably. Uh, as you heard in the previous podcast, uh, we're just really not that high on Vanderbilt, and uh, this being at home at Sanford Stadium uh, and. Knowing Kirby Smart, his game planning, he'll have his team ready to play. And I, I like Georgia in this one big. Oh, you have like 15 seconds to let me know how Georgia's going to whoop that Vanderbilt ass. Yeah, I don't. Uh, this game's going to be really ugly. I don't really have anything to add. Um, I, just like I said, we're not very high on Vanderbilt this year. Cost Shermer, yeah, like I see some potential there, but there's nothing to work really to work with. Their offensive line could be pretty good uh, with a lot of you know, three seniors on it, but you know, I just I don't I think uh, Georgia's going to be a little bit too much for him, and uh, Georgia's going to win this game pretty easily. Okay, so that's six and zero going to Baton Rouge to play on play LSU, um, which hopefully is a night game. This is not an easy environment. If you listen to our earlier podcast, we picked Georgia to win this game, but we'll review why we picked Georgia. I didn't um, I don't think. Um, it's going to be an easy game, but um, I think it's mostly to Coach Hall. Go ahead and elaborate on why you like Georgia this game. Yeah, I do. I do like Georgia to win. Um, maybe not quite as easy as you would think based on how uh, low I am on Georgia this year uh, or how low I am on LSU this year. But, uh, you know, Ed Orgeron, I just am not sold on as a head coach at all. Very similar to uh, Will Muschamp. I actually like Will Muschamp a little bit more, to be honest. But, I am a huge fan of Dave Aranda. Um, Greedy Williams and Devin White are two of the best defensive players in the country. And uh, this is going to be a really big game for them. I think this is going to be, you know, Ed Orgeron is going to be fighting for his job in this game. I, I think uh, he's going to be pulling out all the stops, doing whatever he can to try to get the win here, um, even more so than usual. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a night game or not. I don't know if it really matters. I think LSU is a pretty tough place to play no matter what time the game starts. But, um you know, I, I think LSU is going to give them a really tough game. Uh, I think Georgia's offense is really going to struggle here. and uh, But I think it's going to be a really tight, low-scoring game. And I just like Kirby Smart is the head coach a little bit more than Ed Orgeron, and I think that's going to be the difference in the game. Uh, I like Georgia to win uh, maybe like 21 to 13 or something kind of like that. JB, keep it short here. I will keep it short. But uh, to add on to what Holt said, I, I spoke with a colleague at uh, AutoZone Park a few nights ago, and he actually believes that Ordron may not even be the coach in this game by the time of George and LSU play. Who the hell is he? Like, what, was he some random dude? Like, is he connected to school? Is he just a fan? No, no. Like, this colleague is a guy, guy that works in uh, – he's a media member, and he, uh, he's based in Memphis. And he, uh, we t- doesn't have anything to do with LSU, though. No, it does have something to do with LSU because he, he, we, I've talked about a scenario in which Ordron won't be the head coach, and that scenario is if LSU starts off two and three with losses to Ole Miss, Miami, and uh, Auburn. And that would actually be a scenario in which he may not make it. But I actually think that LSU would be uh, three and two going into this game. And this will be kind of like Ordron's last stand. So I, I like this game to be close. I think LSU is going to come playing really hard for their coach. And and I I like this game going all the way through the fourth quarter, but Georgia just has way too much more ta- has a little bit more talent. They're also a lot more disciplined than LSU. I like them to be poised in the end and in Tiger Sam and Baton Rouge. And I also think this game is going to be a uh, day game as well. I think this that actually is going to 
help uh, Georgia a little bit, not having us at night. And I'm going to pick Georgia, but this is going to be a lot closer than most people think. Three, six and oh, six and oh now. Um, by the way, JB, you, I'm not going to get too off topic, but one of your, your sources at one point did tell tell you and me, or you told, he told you, and then which you told me that you free going to be an offensive analyst at Alabama by this year, by last year. So it never happened. So I'm a little skeptical of your sources now. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that another time. Not all, not all of them can be correct. You're right. Um, all right. So six and zero going to Jacksonville to play what I think is their biggest rival, Florida. Um, this is be a, this could be a true toss up. I think this is always a toss up game anyway. So um, I'm going to pick Georgia because I am firmly on Georgia's nuts this year like I was last year. Um, but Holt's not as much on their nuts. So maybe he'll, he'll pick the upset here with Florida with Dan Mullen in the first year. Um, I'm not going to pick Florida to win this game, but I definitely think this is going to be a really, really tight, hard-fought game. Um, Dan Mullen is really already trying to hype up this game as much as he can. He knows um, that Georgia is going to be his biggest competition in the East, you know, over the next – you know, five, 10 years, however long they're both uh, him and Kirby Smarter at their uh, respective schools. Um, so I think it's going to be a really big game. Um, it always is. Jacksonville, great town. I was just there uh, last week. Great place. Good biscuits. Um, Good biscuits. Great biscuits. Maple Street Biscuit Company. Highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, so this will be a great game. Um, as I've said about three times, and now I'm finally going to talk about it. Uh, but uh, Dan Mullen is in his first year at Florida. Um, he did, does a great job developing quarterbacks. And um, I think Felipe Franks uh, is not maybe the quarterback he was touted to be coming out of high school, but I do think Dan Mullen can turn him into a serviceable quarterback and uh, keep him from beating the, you know, turning the ball over and basically beating themselves. Um, also, like Jordan Scarlett is a running back. Uh, coming back from suspension this year. Um, so I like Florida to keep this really close. I do think Georgia's going to win at the very end, but I mean like the very end. This is going to be a really tight back-and-forth game, and uh, I think Georgia's going to need a big play at the end to win it. JB? History shows that Florida has dominated this series, but this is completely different coaches, different players on this team, and I am going to – Defer from Holt. I think Georgia wins this one comfortably. Georgia has uh, more – I think they have more talent than Florida. I like Georgia's offense to be able to move this ball against this Florida defense. And I think Georgia's offense, uh, knowing Kirby's smart and how he schemes against uh, Mullen's uh, system, he'll be able to devise a good point, game plan. And also, I also think that uh, Georgia's defense is going to be much improved by this point in the season. They'll start to be playing some really good ball. So, I like Georgia to win this one comfortably, probably by about two or three touchdowns. Wow. No, I think I think it'll be a little bit closer because Dan Mullen does develop talent better. Um, so I think I think by this time, like what Holt's saying, I think they'll be a much improved team and be ready to go for the rivalry game. Um, all right, so I think that's 7-0 taking on Kentucky and, and Lexington Field. And you can't just walk into Kroger Field. What did they say? You can't just walk into the grocery store expecting a win. Is that what they said, Holt? Right. Yeah, you can't just walk into a grocery store and expect to walk out with a victory. I'll give Kentucky football probably like 20 seconds between the three of us and how long we're going to talk about them for Georgia. So I think this is going to be an easy win, even though it is at Kroger and the grocery store is is a hell of a place to play. But, yeah. Now, Kirby now, Smart's Georgia, probably more of a public guy anyway. 
I no, think he is. He, if he's not, I could see him getting a pub sub deal, even though he makes like seven million a year, probably. No, but uh, yeah. here's the thing. Well, he's still got like a kindergarten haircut, so. We'll see, Georgia. Yeah, Mike, you know what Georgia. he looks like? He looks like. Hold <laughs> up, he, he, you know what he looks like? He he looks like the the Dumb and Dumber when they get the haircut for mud cuts. Exactly. That's what he looks like, and he. I mean, he's got he's got he's got it made though. He's got a nice nice little wife that I'm not trying to hit on anything, but she's a nice little wife. I mean, he's all right. He's doing all right for himself. I haven't we'll, seen her. Is she good looking? We'll see this game. Well, to she's, me, she's not Hugh Freeze. She's not Hugh, Hugh Freeze's wife, so we'll just say that. Okay. Uh, well, okay. here's what I'm gonna tell you. This so game, anyway, Alex, I was thinking. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, see, so y'all just want y'all can just uh, get off on your tangent. I'm gonna go ahead. He's and say, fuck all y'all a little bit. Yeah, I'm gonna pretty right. much go ahead and talk about this game. Georgia right. is gonna go into Kroger and they're gonna be feasting <laughs> on filet mignon. They're gonna be feasting on filet mignon. That's my analogy. This game is going to be ugly. Georgia's going to win big. All right, you go ahead and hold and start talking about Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good movie. Really uh, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, Mark, Stupid's, Mark Stoops is going to fall <laughs> off the jetway again. <laughs> Did you just say Mark Stupid? <laughs> <laughs> I said Mark Stoops is going to fall off the jetway again. <laughs> I thought you were. Saying, I really thought you just said Mark Stupid. Mark Stupid. Like, come versus on, Kirby like, come Smart. on. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt here. Mark, <laughs> Mark Stoops, Mark Stupid versus Kirby Smart. I like that. I like that. We'll, we'll call it that. Um, yeah, but he will fall off the jetway again, and uh, <laughs> and lose lose this game. All right, let's let's get on, man. We got the giggles tonight, or y'all y'all do. Um, all right, so this is the biggest game of the year for Georgia, besides the Florida game. Um, going to play Auburn at Georgia this year. Um, it was a good good rivalry last year. They split the series. Um, Georgia won when it was most important in the SEC championship. But I think um, Auburn's really good this year. I'll just, I'll just say that. They have Jared Stidham trying to win the Heisman. And they got a really good defense. So I just I think Auburn's going to come in there and beat the shit out of them. Out of them. Let's just say beat, beat a little bit of shit out of them. So I just think, I think Auburn's going to win. Yeah, I, I like this one. Um, this is kind of like an upset special, a preseason upset special. Even though on paper these teams are fairly evenly matched. Uh, yeah, how the hell just, is this upset? This is not upset. Uh, on paper, they're evenly matched. But Georgia going into this game, I think the Vegas pundits are probably going to have Georgia as a probably like a seven to ten point favorite because at this point Georgia's going to be undefeated. They're going to be at home. Auburn's going to have a loss under their belt. But I like Auburn's team. Uh, this Auburn defense, I like a little bit more than Georgia's defense. And I really love this uh, Auburn defensive line. I think they're going to be able to uh, pressure Fromm and get to him a little bit, and I think they'll be able to make enough stops uh, with the running game and get off the field and give Jared Siddons some chances to uh, get on the field and score some points. And I really like uh, this Auburn team. I'm really high on them. Uh, Their schedule doesn't set up well for this team. But I like Auburn to go into Georgia and get a huge victory and put themselves right back into the playoff race, even with one loss. Oh. Yeah, you know, I have both teams being uh, nine and one going into this game, but I think uh, we could. I think I speak for all of us when I say we they could easily both be undefeated. Um, This could be like probably one of the biggest games of the year um, in college football. You know, I'm sure game day is going to be there and all of that. Um, One thing that really concerns me about Georgia's offense is how they played against really good defenses last year, and. I'm just a little bit worried about their offensive ceiling um, in games like this. And I think 
I like Auburn's offense a lot more against Georgia's defense than I do Georgia's offense versus Auburn's defense. So uh, I'm going to pick Auburn in this game, surprisingly enough, even though they're on the road. Um, I just – I really like Auburn this year. Jarrett Stidham, uh, really solid group of receivers as well. They do lose um, Carrion Johnson and um, – uh, what's the big dude's name? Petway. Help me out. Pat yeah, Way. Cameron Petway. Sorry. Yeah, so they <laughs> – Big they dude. do lose both of them, uh, They, uh, but they were both really banged up last year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, if they can replace him or those two guys. I think they'll find a solid running back um, in there as well. So I like Auburn to go into Athens and uh, get the win. I don't think it's going to be an upset by any means, but I do like Auburn to get the win. Yeah, and let me like, go back on this uh even though I said uh, Georgia's undefeated, I'm really just going by uh, what our panel of, of, of us three have picked. I do think Georgia's going to be 9-1 going into this game, along with Auburn being 9-1, but I am still going to be picking Auburn. Yeah, I mean, they could both be undefeated, though, because I think we have Georgia losing to – I have them losing to Missouri. You have them losing to South Carolina. But I don't think it would be a surprise to either one of us if they won those games. Absolutely not. And like, then, Georgia's favorite yeah. in both of those games. So, Georgia could easily be undefeated. Right. Auburn, uh, there's, there's less chances for them to be undefeated, in my opinion. But uh, they, yeah, because they play they, Washington, they play Washington and at Mississippi State. Yeah, and both of those, I think they're going to split those games, and I think it's more feasible for Auburn to be a one-loss team going into this one. Yeah, right. So, but first, either either way, it's going to be a huge game. I, I think it's pretty safe to say. So the first official L, according to SEC slow smoke, will be Auburn. So it's nine and one. Um, playing UMass and then Georgia Tech. We'll skip UMass, say that's an easy win, um, and then go to Georgia Tech. Clean, old-fashioned, hate rivalry playing Paul Johnson's antiquated option offense that still gives teams fits. Um, like Tennessee last year, Xavier Sorry, they ran 500 yards in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Uh, I think Georgia Tech, Georgia's defense is way too good for this option offense now, so I don't think it's going to be – I just think it's going to be – not even a close game just because uh, once you stop Georgia Tech like twice on on offense or yeah you stop something twice their offense twice and then you're you're good to go I mean you get a two touchdown lead and the game's over so I think they'll get a two touchdown lead in the first half and I think the game will be over so uh, Holt you can elaborate on it real quick yeah you know this is always a tough game um, you know anytime you're going up against a triple option like weird things can happen um I'm still going to pick Georgia to win this game, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's a, if it's a really tight, hard-fought game. Um, you know, Georgia Tech is always going to be looking for opportunities to spoil over, you know, spoil Georgia's season. So, but uh, just, you know, it's like I'm saying, I like Georgia's offense in this game to bounce back and put up a lot of yards um, after losing to Auburn a couple weeks before. JB? I'm going to go with Georgia in this one. Uh, it's just, it's going to be hard for me to, to uh, envision a scenario in which Georgia Tech keeps it close. But I will give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, the way Georgia Tech is going to be able to keep it close is that they're able to uh, match Georgia's production and maybe even get a lead on Georgia in the beginning. Like, say, if they get to take the opening kickoff and uh, opening possession and drive down the field and score. Other than that, I think Georgia's offense is going to be able to move the ball pretty comfortably against this Georgia Tech defense. And, I, once, and like you said, once they get a lead uh, – I don't think Georgia will look back, and I, th- I think they win this one, especially being at home. They're going to win this one pretty well. 
So that puts Georgia at 11-1 officially for SEC slow smoke. We think a uh, floor of 10-2, a ceiling of undefeated 12-0. So yeah, what we think it's eleven one. It's it's kind of crazy how we got to eleven one because I think Holt and I both have Georgia ten and two, but you being the tiebreaker, uh, we ended up finishing eleven one because Holt and I had this. We we both agreed on the Auburn loss, but Holt has Georgia losing to Missouri. I have Georgia losing to South Carolina, but you were the tiebreaker in those games, so that's the reason we got Georgia eleven one. That's just how it goes. So eleven and one uh, with one SEC loss, potentially two SEC losses if they go ten and two. Um, we'll put them in the SEC championship championship game. Um, most likely, depending on who they lose to, I should put them in the SEC championship game. Um, most likely playing Alabama, maybe Auburn again. Um, which if I don't know, I mean, I think I think they would definitely lose to Alabama, and I think. Even a rematch, they would probably lose to Auburn again. Is that what y'all would think? Well, the, it, as we've already done the West uh, predictions, uh, we've got Georgia 11-1 playing an undefeated Alabama team. And, right. Uh, yeah. But if if for some reason or somehow Auburn got in that – the uh, so well, here's the question. Who who could Georgia beat? Because I think it's either going to be Mississippi State, Auburn, or Alabama. I don't think it's really Mississippi State, but I think it would be Auburn or Alabama. And I think they're going to lose to Alabama as a championship, but I think – if Auburn played in a rematch, it might be the same thing as last year where Auburn beat him in the regular season and then lost in the SEC championship. I agree. I think uh, Georgia can beat uh, Auburn. I do think they can beat Mississippi State. I don't think they can beat Alabama. So, if they lose to Alabama, they would be um, 11-2, and two, which probably wouldn't make the cut for the playoffs. No. Well, once you lose the SEC championship, you'd be eliminated. But they would end up making a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, and which they'll they'll win that game probably. So, the, all right. So just recapping, uh, we like Georgia a lot this year still. Um, and this, like JB saying, is unfortunately, or the scary part is that this is gonna be their worst year out of the next like five years because they're recruiting so well. So it's like they're not really gonna slow down after this year. They're gonna have things going going pretty pretty good after this. So it's gonna be kind of scary for the rest of that. Yeah, see, but I'm gonna compare this. I'm I'm gonna compare this Georgia season to Alabama in 2010. Alabama won, lost about three games that year, even though they still looked dominant at the time. Where the team's going to be. But then once Alabama got past that 2010 season, they never looked back, and they ended up going on that run and winning four national championships in the next eight years. So that could be a very simple, uh, similar scenario for Georgia. Uh, well, yeah. Any final words from you, Holt, before we sign off here? Um. No, not really. I do. I do want to give a, a shout out to the Georgia offensive line coach Sam Pittman. Um, I wanted to talk about it a little bit earlier, but we just never really were talking about the offensive line. He's probably one of the most underrated coaches in the whole country. Uh, he was at Arkansas a few years ago when uh, their offensive line was really dominant and uh, took over at Georgia. And uh, with the quality of players that they're recruiting on the offensive line, I think they're about to. Uh, turn into one of the most dominant offensive lines that we may have ever seen. Um, I remember Alabama maybe in 2012 when they beat Notre Dame in the national championship game. It's probably the the best offensive line that I've ever seen. But just looking at some of these guys that they're recruiting and with uh, Sam Pittman coaching them, uh, I just I really think that this offensive line can turn into something really big over the course of the next few years. JB, that um, that had to piss you off that they stole Cade Mays from Knoxville because he he wanted to go to Tennessee, but there was so much 
um, instability that he ended up going to Georgia, but he wanted to go to Tennessee. He was like a five-star offensive lineman. He was, and he grew up a Tennessee <clears throat> fan, but he made the best decision for himself. Sam Pittman is the best offensive line coach in the country. Everywhere he's been, he has drastically improved the offensive line, and he, he he's going to make uh, Georgia's offensive line an absolute juggernaut, and that's where I always make the argument. That's where you win games is up front. Georgia will always win the battles up front with their offensive line as long as Sam Pittman is their coach. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Quarterback and offensive line play. Now, I still think quarterback's the biggest biggest position, but um, I would agree with you that the game's won and lost in the trenches in the SEC. Until next time, people, um, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram and iTunes now. iTunes, what's it? What do we have? iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. What's it? I'll other ones. Yeah, anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can subscribe to us. So At please SEC do. Phil, yeah. SEC Slow Smoke, feel free to give us a five-star rating just uh, out of the kindness of your heart, even if you don't mean it. Yep. We have uh, Missouri and South Carolina next. So get excited. Get hyped about that. Don't get as excited about Holt as uh, Missouri as Holt, but still get excited. Until then, peace out.